0: An ironic media production, visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K-media.com.
1: All right, welcome back to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. If this podcast has been broadcasting healing vibes into your life, please follow on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. Your review helps other people find this podcast and the transformations continue. And don't forget to share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit. Let's heal together. This is exactly why I have the podcast, because I do want everyone to share their story so that if there's one person out there that hears the story and says, I was there, and just to know that somebody else has been through it and that they're okay, they're even better off because of it. That's one reason why I have the podcast, but in that moment, when I was going through Well, I mean, it just depends on what tools you have. So like when I was 26, all I did was take vacation. (laughs) I was like, you're stressed out. So like it was programmed to me, obviously take a vacation. Mm -hmm. So I did, I took three. And then I was like, "You know what, Amy, you've been going to the bars. You've been eating chicken wings and like some french fries, and God knows whatever else and drinking. Why don't you take a break from that because that's not healthy. Like that's yeah. obvious. And then maybe, why don't you start working out? So those were my tools at that time. So I would say, what do you know works for you to give you a mm-hmm. good reset? Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you let's
0: get started we'll just we'll see what happens buckle up people (laughs) (laughs) i'm excited oh you should be nervous yeah all right so i'm just gonna kick it off yeah go for it all right well welcome to the amy stark transformation show and so amy stark as from her website is a soul on a mission to help people like you to master your life and energy so that you can become the greatest version of you my mission is to use comedy to catalyze people into laughing, learning and thinking. And so today I'm going to do that by taking over Amy's podcast, The Stark Transformation Show, which means I was given carte blanche and we have not looked at any of these questions together and she no. has no idea what I'm going to ask. And so I'm excited. So yeah, Amy, thanks no, for having me.
1: Fun. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. I have this Yeah, say, you should be. I mean, it's not so much that I I'm like afraid you're going to ask a question that I I shouldn't answer or can't answer or something. It's more of like keeping up with you.
0: (laughs) Nah, it's easy stuff. So for people who've listened before, last time I was lucky enough to be a guest on Amy's podcast. I was trying to get my appearance correct just before we got on and I was trying to do my eyebrows and long story short, I used toenail clippers on my eyebrows, which I don't recommend, but Amy, I appreciate you trying that before you went back east to visit your sister one time. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: it worked out well. I mean, in a pinch... (laughs) With a little pinch? <laughs>
0: yeah, just, just just one pinch, yeah. yeah. And then now I've got this bald spot, who I've named Dwayne, by the way. And oh, wow. So the bad news is I have a bald spot. The, the other bad news is I have no idea why I have it. And my uh, best friend was, she gooed googly eyes on it. But the good news is is that Dwayne is going to get in some hair now, so the googly eyes don't stick. Oh, yeah.
1: well, good. So the, it just fell out and that's coming back.
0: I have no idea. Yeah. 30 years in the military, I'm never stressed out. Apparently retirement stresses me out. So that's a
1: very important thing to like recognize when we are not doing something, it does stress us out. Right. Like meditation stresses people out because they're sitting there supposedly doing nothing. So that's why a lot of people run from it. Yeah. So I hear
0: you. Yeah. Well, it's funny that, that doing nothing is, is a tough thing. In fact, I was listening to, I think it was Sahar Zay yes, who was talking about, I don't maybe actually don't know if it was her talking about the secondary gain, which I'd never heard about. Oh that no, expression. that was Federico Valen. Valen. okay, yep. Mm-hmm. And but talking about like the fact that sometimes when we get sick or something like that, the secondary gain that comes from that is we have more time with our family or we have more time to chill out. And I think a lot of us, especially in society today, we don't value the time spent doing nothing because it really isn't doing. It's not unproductive time. It just seems like it by today's standards. Yeah, yeah
1: it's actually really really helpful for us. And in fact, they recommend that kids also be bored at times. Times. And let me tell you, as a parent of an eight-year-old, it's really hard to let him be bored because he will then bother me. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. No, so no, be like, bored on know. your own time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You figure this out. I am yeah. going to do things. Because but you I have an, an exceptional eight-year-old too, though. So I, that's...
1: Thank you. Yeah, I think I do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, you do. Definitely. <laughs> I'm telling. This is not a, an opinion thing. I'm telling you, you do.
1: Okay. So, oh, thank you.
0: So one thing I thought we would do first is we're going to play a quick game of this or that. Super okay. easy. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> super easy. So you just answer the first thing. If you don't like your answer, you can edit it out, but you're okay. not going to do that. So super easy. All right. Jogging or hiking? Jogging.
1: Oh, bath I don't or... I said that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> bath or shower? Oh, bath. Sneakers yeah. or sandals? Oh, definitely sneakers. Hamburger or taco? Oh, that's hard. Taco. Yeah, because lesbians. That oh was not God. a trick question. I was... Okay, no, sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> Couch or recliner? Hmm. Probably recliner. Okay. Online shopping or shopping in a store? Oh, God, no, not shopping in a store, online shopping. Good answer. Would you rather receive an email or a letter? A letter. Okay. Passenger or driver? Passenger, because I can do things. <laughs> exactly right. Now, this is an important one toilet paper over or under? Oh, for sure. Over. Okay. <laughs> that was close. I was like, oh my God. Okay. I don't understand the people that want to under. I don't. Well, there, so there, funny story. <laughs> so a long time ago, I had posted, I think Cottonell had that that quiz, you, you over under. I said, I took the Cottonell quiz. Turns out I'm an over roller. So I had to go through the house and I ended up throwing away like half of the rolls of toilet paper because they were all under rolling. Everybody's like, Haha. Sure, joke, I, yeah. I had one friend write down Mo, I don't get it. All you had to do is flip it around, and I'm like, okay, we can't be friends. <laughs> like you don't A, don't know that I'm joking, and B, anyway, so, okay. Cups in the cupboard, right side up or upside down? Oh, upside up. We got to be ready for that coffee right away. Oh, interesting, <laughs> and she's got a justification for it, too. Okay. Oh, yeah. Coffee cup or thermos? Oh, thermos. No. Who uses those? <laughs> okay. Movie at home or movie in the theater? Probably at home. Yeah, good answer. Yeah. yeah. Even before, even after pandemic, It has nothing to do with pandemic. COVID.
1: I think I just really like to really be immersed in the experience. And if other people are around me, then I feel their energy and their experience
0: influences mine, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's all. We're just going to play some some fun stuff, so. <laughs> that's, that,
1: that was great. I I'm, I survived. Okay, next. <laughs> yeah,
0: yay. Okay, I collect questions. So like, I always think it's interesting when people ask interesting questions. So some of these I've been asked before or I've just kind of thought them in my brain. But one question I have is, what do the first and last hours of your day look like? Like, what is your first hour of your day and what is your last hour of your day look like? Honestly,
1: they look very, very similar. Well, minus the coffee at the end. <laughs> of the day, but they're both very quiet. And where I contemplate things, I focus on my day or I reflect on my day. So it's, it's a very similar energy. I usually in the morning sit petting the dogs and thinking about my day, possibly meditation. And then at the end of the day, petting the dogs, sitting quietly, usually wearing blue blocking glasses and watching maybe some TV or none at all. And just talking with them.
0: Now, is that something that you like aren't intentional about or is that just kind of how it happens? Oh, no, it has to be that way. Yeah, for me. I mean, not has to be. I
1: mean, I'm not going to like crumble and die, but I do prefer to unwind at the end of the day. But I'm also notorious for being like, it's time to go to bed. Great. (laughs) And then I just go to sleep. (laughs) Like it's, it's just the way I am. I don't really have to have the unwind, but I know that it's really important for my health to have the unwind. And then in the morning, for instance, like we were just talking, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning with a runny nose, no. like from allergies or whatever. And I couldn't fall back asleep. And then, so I got pushed all the way till 7.00 AM when I finally could fall asleep by, at five 30 to seven 30. Then my son comes in is like, mom, it's seven Oh four. I have to go to school. And <laughs> so he's out the door at seven 20 and I have to like get him fed and make his lunch. And so thankfully though, Fen took over in the morning. Cause she saw that I was like dragging, but here, here's what happened. So I came downstairs and I, I am shaking on the inside. Like there's like a vibration that happens Happens because I think I travel a lot when I'm sleeping astral travel. So I'm like, not really oh. fully in my body. And so when I get interrupted, it's like my, my soul or something comes crashing down into my body. And then I wind up feeling this, like, shaking on the inside. And so when I saw that Fen was actually making breakfast and the lunch, I was like, I need to sit down. <laughs> like, I just need a moment. So that's yeah. why I do my mornings the same basically every day is because I need to slowly ease into my body and the day.
0: I love that. I think it's fascinating. So like one question I have is, so I think a lot of people maybe feel that, but I think you are a lot more in tune to your own energy and the energy around you. When you start a day like that, so let's say you wanted to get up at seven, you get up at 7.03 and you kind of start in this this deficit how do you reset yourself? I mean, let's say Finn isn't there and then son goes to school. And then how do you get yourself out of that deficit? Today, I
1: wasn't that great at it, but normally I would probably meditate because I would like sort of get me to the next level real fast. Mm-hmm. But I did take PIMS. PYM, mm-hmm. the choose, so right? Yeah, the choose. Yeah, that that helped relax me. So that helped obviously before the podcast. I didn't meditate before the podcast. It just wasn't as long as I probably wanted to, just because mm-hmm. I sort of felt like I was struggling to get through the morning. I yeah. was like, okay, where's my body? I am gonna get in there. <laughs> like you're yeah. gonna get in a groove. I'm gonna do it.
0: Yeah. I started well, I with my good.
1: shower way earlier because I was like, it's going to take <laughs> me longer to get ready for the podcast yeah.
0: just because I'm just a little off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because I have, I think a lot of people can relate to when they have, they just, I, I, I call it a deficit, but they, they always kind of feel like they're playing catch up all morning. And I think a lot of times the last thing that makes logical sense would be to slow down, stop, and just let everything catch up. And mm. I think a lot of people fight that urge and then they just, they make it worse by trying to overcome that deficit as opposed to just like, you have to slow down to speed up. Yeah, you know what I mean? You're
1: right. You're right. I never thought about it that way, but it's so what I need. And I remember when I was a teacher and we start hellish hours in the morning, oh, like I'd be like at six 45 at school. It was
0: ridiculous. Nope.
1: nope. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, you're from the military. I figured that I'm like thinking my, I'm like such a you know what, because I can't (laughs) do a podcast at 10 AM. But like, I think about those days where I was in that rush to get to school. And then it was like, get to school. And I would just sit at my desk and be like, okay, what's going on. And I take that inventory of the day, my body, everything, but I still, it was always so hard. It was one of the reasons why it was teaching was so hard was because of that need to be there so early. So I do prefer working for myself and making my own hours.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think you're kind of operating within your own natural circadian trouble with rhythm and stuff like that too. So. Yeah. Yeah. For um, sure. All right. So I have to be a little bit honest with you. I'm always honest with you, but yeah. Well, I fir- when I <laughs> to, to, especially today. No. So <laughs> when I first was filling out the form to be a guest on your podcast, there was a thing in there that it not it didn't trigger me. I don't know what the, what the right word is. I don't use the right words, but there was a talk about would I be willing to talk about my dark night of the soul? And I had never heard that phrase before, so I had to go look it up. I had this reserved energy about saying yes because of that. And I, I decided to, now this is from Zahara Zaid's. People need to be able to step up and into that fear. And so I had no idea like what was going to come of the podcast. And I am so glad that I said yes. But I want to talk to you about the dark night of the soul. And I know that you went into a very deep, deep point in your life. Had you heard of that phrase before? Like, could you say, oh, this is my dark night of the soul? Or did you learn what it was called later on?
1: I definitely learned what it was called later on. Okay. I, I really struggled at that time. I didn't have community that I could really talk to about it. Mm-hmm. And, and probably also part of it was programming. I didn't feel safe to talk about it with the friends that I had. Mm-hmm. Maybe I said something. I'm not so sure. I, it was mostly I was just alone and by myself and my thoughts. First of all, I want to say that there's been only one person who said that they would not talk about their dark night of the soul and I didn't catch it until the day that I was supposed to interview the person and they actually canceled on me. Wow. It was, it's almost like the universe won't allow somebody who hasn't done the work to, to talk about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you got to be like with all the details, but the admitting of this low point in your life shows that you've done enough work around it and Mm -hmm. have found how it's darkest before dawn, like Nick Jenkel said. Mm -hmm. And there's something very humbling about that. And I, I actually really like anything that really humbles me. For instance, like, I mean, it's to say that I like it. I mean, it sucks. Ultimately it's a great thing for me. And I know that it is because it reminds me that I'm human. For instance, even just like out here in Colorado, when you walk out of the grocery store, you see the mountains And they're enormous. Yeah. And somebody was recently asked me like, what's the draw to Colorado? Like, why are so many people coming to Colorado? And I was like, other than the fact that weed is legal. I'm just going to (laughs) say that (laughs) because that is, that is true. I think that people like that. It reminds them that what they're doing is, is kind of insignificant compared to what's on the planet. When I was in high school, you know how they make us run the track and things like Mm -hmm. that. And I hated running when I was in high school. I loved running
0: if it was running after a ball and scoring. I'm like, you're a soccer player. Yes.
1: Yeah. Running for the sake of running was just horrible to me. So we would have to do these runs around the track. And I used to start right at the very beginning and I'd be like, okay, you're Amy, you're in Bernardsville, New Jersey, you're on the track. And then I would just keep expanding and going all the way up into space. And then I'd be like, this is so insignificant laps or whatever. (laughs) I can do them. I can get it done. It doesn't matter. Yeah even if I don't get them done, does it really matter? Except for like passing my <laughs> class.
0: <laughs> Grades.
1: Um, yeah, I know. But like, whatever. So I always did what was necessary and jumped through the hoops. I, I'm like good at doing that, jumping through the hoops, mm-hmm. but I prefer not to have to jump through hoops.
0: Okay. So kind of going into this and, and I'm sure we'll come back to Dark Night of the Soul. I didn't mean to go so dark, so deep, so fast. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what that's she what said. But anyway, <laughs> So one of the things I know that you're into human design and I'm I'm trying to learn but which I absolutely love the human design however the one thing I have I struggle with is it has a little bit of a predetermination feeling to it so it's got that fatalistic well why do I need to run the laps why do I need to pass the gym class so help me resolve that fatalistic it's already been predetermined so WTF It's so
1: interesting that you're bringing this up because one, when I was sitting down and meditating and preparing for this, part of my human design is that I do best when people pull out the answers from me. That's like in my human design, which is really interesting because Fennel say, Amy- just make a TikTok or just make a post about this or just do a podcast about that. And like in her mind, she thinks, well, everybody else creates content. Amy should be able to create content. And also Amy can talk for hours on and on about anything because she knows that when she says those things, I'm like, yeah, I should be able to do that. And that's me comparing myself to other people and thinking I should be working the same way. When I heard from Dylan that it was part of my human design, I was like, yes, thank you. So here's the thing of right now in this part of my life, for whatever reason, we go through growth periods or whatever, we learn information. And right now is about this whole predetermined stuff, Uh which I didn't really focus on for a really long time in my life. I just kind of like you thought, well, that's not fair. So I lived my life from my heart. And so here's where human design meets free will. Human design is just a blueprint. For instance, it says that my purpose here on earth is to share my wisdom from trial and error and experience with others, with many. And in my, I'm going to call it the heart chakra because I don't know what it's called, but it's basically over the heart chakra. Uh The lesson of my lifetime is about learning about the love for humanity Mm -hmm. So in that, there's a lot of free will or a lot of blurred lines, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I have a podcast that helps humanity. It looks like the perfect fit, but I also was a teacher, which is Mm -hmm. also a perfect fit teaching young people. One of my things that I love is EFT and teaching children. So that's helping to heal humanity. And I've talked about this before where teaching kids EFT is going to create a happy, happier, healthier generation to come mm-hmm. because they're going to be releasing their childhood trauma. They're going to be able to release it as it comes. Mm-hmm. They're going to build more resilience. And also it's going to just give them more time in the parasympathetic nervous system, which is going to then help them to be happier and healthier as adults.
0: When I hear EFT, I know it means emotional freedom technique, which most people call tapping. So that's mm-hmm. like the yep. uh, tapping in your eyebrows, side of your eyes, under your eyes, under your nose, under your mouth. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Collarbone. <laughs> you do it also over your heart, on your side, and then top of your head. Yes? Yeah. And I think- You know how sense. I know that? I watched your videos. Ah. Uh, oh, oh so, yeah. The karate shop. Yeah. The karate chop point. Yeah. yeah that's the, only that one I the first one. Um, do you tap every day? No.
1: But because I've done about over a thousand sessions, yeah. I- don't really need to unless I I I see that there's something that I've really, I'm getting, I'm, like I'm struggling with it, mm-hmm. I will use EFT to get over that thing or work through that thing.
0: Yeah, I've been listening to Nick ortner's book, which I know that you recommend. And the one thing you talked about, part of your blueprint for your life is to help humanity. And that was one thing I love about you is I love that you're a catalyst, but I also love that you are a giver. Like if you go to your website and you look at the resources page on your website, it's like, multiple scrolls long of the choose you recommend, the blue blocker lights that you recommend, the blue blocker lights that Fen wears the and all the different books. So if you want a really great reading list, I love going to your website and just kind of oh, looking thank like, you. okay, you're so I got sweet. that one read. I got that one read. Okay, I got to put that on my list. But you're a giver. And I think a lot of people kind of hold that information close to them. And they're just like, what's the harm in sharing that? So I love that you help humanity in that way too. I'm just by giving freely of, of information that's helped you or helped other people. Well, and that's what I love about the dark night of Souls.
1: like, once you've hit rock bottom and you know what that feels like, and then you don't feel that way, you're like, yeah. why would I ever not share how I got out of that or through that? And like, FYI, I've had a lot of bad green juices. <laughs> before. And I'd love to tell you which one's the best one or which one's my favorite. And the most convenient one, because I'm, I am gay. I like things that are convenient. (laughs) I like pockets with pants. I mean, sorry, pants with pockets. Pockets with pants would also
0: work. Exactly. I I have this huge pocket that just covers my ass. So yeah, sure. Yeah. But
1: like, no, for real. I like when things are comfortable, convenient, useful, so that's why functional. Like yep, functional. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I honestly think that's part of like being gay. I mean, I don't know, like being a, a lesbian. I don't know. Am I wrong? I don't know. <laughs> I,
0: I, I don't know. I like things convenient. That's... That just might be because we're cool people. I don't know. I know.
1: I know. <laughs> I mean, I think most people do, but I like take it to the next step, and I'm like, okay, I would rather not wear those amazing pants or whatever if they have tiny pockets like I yeah. that pisses me off yeah I'm like where am I supposed to put my phone or my whatever it, in like- your purse <laughs> No, that's, see, that's inconvenient. I have to keep track of that shit. I have to keep it on my shoulder. It's probably I, I got like this down. backpack. Yeah. <laughs> the backpacks I prefer and a large one at that because it's convenient. Yeah. I can fit everything in, it all all in there. Yeah, no. I don't have to be discriminated. To, to, <laughs> I, so anyway, that, that's my whole thing is like, I've read books that have changed my life. I have increased my deep sleep. If it has worked, I want to tell you about it. If it's changed my hormones, I'm going to tell you about it. Why, why there's so much to learn. And I, yeah. and honestly, I don't think we we've ever talked about this, or maybe we have, but I learned this all from my dad. My dad used to get into like a taxi cab in Las Vegas or New York city or whatever. And we'd be sitting with him and he would start talking to the cab driver. So how long you been driving a cab? Where are you from? What's, what was life like when you were growing up? And he, the person, she or she or whatever would reveal things about themselves. And we would get the opportunity to learn from that person. And I, it's a biohack like in life. You can learn from other people to save you time and energy and and heartache most of the time.
0: Well, it's funny you talk about that. One of the speeches I give is called the internal combustion engine of anything, right? So it's intake, compression, combustion, or exhaust are the the four chambers of a four-stroke engine. So intake is when the air comes into the engine. Compression is when it's all the oxygen molecules are mushed together and it's accelerated and increased in temperature and speed. And then the combustion chambers where the energy, the power stroke, and then the exhaust. So I call it, instead of intake, compression, combustion, and exhaust, pilots are monosyllabic cavemen. So we say, suck, squeeze, bang, blow. <laughs> But, but one of the things is like in the suck phase, we're we're taking all this information in, whether it's air into an engine or data for a speech or questions for an interview. And then that compression chamber, that to me is the most important part of the you could argue that the, the combustion chamber, the actual the power stroke is. But to me, that compression chamber, when you pass everything through all this information. You get filtered through your own experiences. And I think the thing, just like you said, that people overlook is the experiences of others. And it's like, I don't have enough time to make all the mistakes that I'm making, much less make somebody else's mistakes, but the more we can learn. And so I love that you're done. And I love the fact that you... Notice that about what your dad was doing and you took that because i think a lot of times people just watch life go by and they're missing out on maximizing all the opportunities because they don't take the time to talk to somebody who's for all intents and purposes a help they're just hey get in the car get me where i'm going as mm-hmm. opposed to treating them like they are part of humanity because they are I remember we had a, a waiter when I was at the Air Force Academy. He was a waiter and we just called him Mr. Mendez. Come to find out he was like a Medal of Honor recipient from the Vietnam War. And the only people that found that out were by asking him about his past. He wasn't just a guy serving us food. He wasn't a guy that we could just boss around and treat like like lesser than. This guy has a story and everybody's got the story. So I love the fact mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that you're also in tune to that too. So Thank going you. back to the Dark Knight of the Soul, mm-hmm. do people get just one? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh like that. Let's take two. Okay. Speaking of the dark night of the soul. I just choked on my spit there because I was... was Well, that's called karma, my love. Yes.
1: (laughs) So the answer is no. And I've been through several dark nights of the soul, but I do believe that it's gotten easier to get through them. They still suck. There's even something that's called a growth period, which I think is a fancy way of saying a not so dark night of the soul, but still okay. dark. Okay. It's really hard. It's it's like everything that you know about life starts to unravel. And you're kind of like, what's real? Who am I? Where does this all fall? That kind of thing. I just recently looked at this post that I made because my son just turned eight. And then there was a post about me moving into my new house and and he was in the NICU and I said, life is good. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I was like, it caught me off guard because I wrote it. But life was good. Like my son was alive and he was in the NICU. That was not great, but he was thriving there as much as a kid could thrive in the NICU. And I was in a brand new home, which I didn't know where anything was. Yeah, Cause I was in the hospital, everything was dumped and my mother-in-law, thank God, she just threw everything into closets so that it would be like livable. And I didn't know where anything was. I didn't even know whether we had diapers for my son. I didn't know if we had clothes. I couldn't remember anything. Cause I had been, I got toxemia and Ugh. so I was, and I wasn't sleeping very well. So it was like, everything was a blur and people would ask me questions. They're like, do you have diapers? I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> And and I feel like I should
0: know the answer, but I don't like, I
1: yes, I did know I was going to have a baby, but like shit happened. Yeah. Well, my point about this is like, I think other people would probably see things that have gone on in my life and say, well, that was a dark night of soul. But like at the time, so I was in the hospital for three weeks, Hmm. it was really rough. And it was weird because I had this unshakable knowing that I wasn't going to die. And I knew that my son wasn't going to die, even though they kept telling me every day there was a very good chance that one of us wasn't going to make it or that I was going to get to the point of almost dying and then deliver. It was bad. Somehow, like people kept being like, Amy, like, are you sure that you're going to be okay? And I'd be like, yeah, I I know that I'm going to be okay. I don't know why. And actually, there was a very interesting experience after I had given birth. And then they took me to do this treatment for people who have preeclampsia, which is like, they give you a bunch of magnesium. Mm -hmm and it makes you super loopy. Like you can't even open your eyes. Like you can't talk. So I was like getting infused with this. And my twin sister was on FaceTime and I was like, "Eh." (laughs) (laughs) and she's like, I think you better go. I'm like, yeah. So anyway, I wound up somehow, maybe it was the next day. It was still working through me. And I went to go to the bathroom and I passed out Oh, and it wasn't supposed to happen. Something just like in me shut out or shut off or whatever. And in that quick, brief moment, it felt like it was hours that I was out. It was just maybe five seconds. Oh, wow. I saw my son as a four-year-old thriving. And that's all that I needed to know that everything was going to be okay.
0: That's awesome. Isn't that weird? Yeah. No, so, it's awesome. That's really cool.
1: Yeah. And then the other thing that I would, I'll would say about Dark Nights of the Soul, which I don't know that I've specifically said this, but, and I might cry. Okay. When I was trying to have another child, we really struggled Hmm. and knowing the things that I know, I had a hard time reconciling everything Hmm. because I felt the baby spirit. She would talk to me. She told me her name. Hmm. I would get signs all the time about when it was supposed to take place, when we were supposed to inseminate. There were several times where we thought we ran out of the sperm. Then all of a sudden, like a year later, another vial would pop up, but I would get a hit that there would be another one coming up. And I would feel like somebody was going to tell me like, there's another vial. And then there would be. Wow. And the craziest thing that happened was many things, but one, I was on a hike and this is probably why I don't like hiking now, but we were on a hike on the ground. There was a heart. And it, yeah, it was a dog tag and it said the, the little girl's name. And it said, call my mom if I'm not here or if this is missing or something like that. And it was right wow. when I was going through it. And wow, I was like, holy shit. And the other thing is, is the day that we found out that there was more sperm, I was driving my son home from preschool and he said, Mommy, ask God for another baby for us. Wow. I hadn't found out about the sperm yet. And I was like, honey, I just don't know that it's going to work out. Mommy wants to have another baby and stuff. So we got home and it had been a really windy day. And on our porch, I said to my wife, like, let's put, cause we were new to the neighborhood. I was like, let's put a little tiny chair so that people know that there's a little kid that lives here.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that
1: like, if anybody wants to be friends or whatever that day, it had been so windy that an identical chair had been put on our, on our front porch. Because it had blown away from the neighbors, and they so you had two. So two little kid chairs. Dude, but, goosebumps. I know. And then I came home, and the company called me and said, "Do you remember four years ago, or whatever it was, three years ago, you put yourself on a wait list? Well, some sperm has become available, and you're you're at the top of the list. How many do you want?" And I was <laughs> like, "Are you kidding me?" So here's. So th- this is just like a small snippet of yeah of what it was like to have these kind of instances and then to not get pregnant. It was really hard.
0: Oh, I can't even imagine. So do you feel like your daughter's still waiting to get to you or? Yeah. At this point, she's she's told me that I just have to wait. Wow.
1: And I don't know how long. Yeah.
0: That's a lot of faith in those signs and in your embodied intuition yeah. energy too. I had never heard of her name
1: before. The spelling, I mean, more so than anything else. Uh-huh. And when she told me her name, I had said that it had to be Gaelic because Fenella, Aiden, they're both Gaelic and I wanted the name to be Gaelic. And so the name was Gaelic and that's why I didn't know it.
0: Huh. Did you crazy. keep the dog tag? Yes, found?
1: I do. I have it. You
0: still have it good. Yeah, I do.
1: Um, Did you ever so- find the
0: dog it was attached to? <laughs>
1: nope. <laughs> so here's the thing is there was a dark night of soul that I went through. It's several times because we ran out of sperm, right? So I was on this journey and each time I had to remember, why am I here? What does this all mean? Does the universe ever let me down? The answer is no, it doesn't.
0: So first off, thank you for being vulnerable about that. And I know that's that's not easy to talk about. So thank you for trusting all of us with that. And I, I guess the question I have is for people who are in that dark night of the soul. And I think, again, you are are much more highly attuned to everything that surrounds it and being able to take your way, yourself away from the track and just realize that these are just laps on a track or realize that you're at the foot of the mountains in, in Colorado. But what advice would you give to somebody who may be in that dark night of the soul, and I and I do think it's all relative because I think people are given what they can handle. So, uh, someone stubbing their toe may be the worst thing that's ever happened to them. So I do think there's a little bit of relativity to it. But what do you say to somebody when they're in that muck, in that shit? Like, what do you say to them to the help them realize uh, to not give in to that? we see a lot of problems with suicide and things like that because people get in that dark night i think when they think that there's a is nobody who understands b nobody to reach out to and c no way out so like what do you say to someone like that to either prepare them for when they get into that like what the, how they can get themselves through it so what would your advice be to them for that
1: this is exactly why i have the podcast because i do want everyone to share their story so that if there's one person out there that hears the story and says i was there And just to know that somebody else has been through it and that they're okay, they're even better off because of it. That's one reason why I have the podcast. But in that moment, when I was going through, well, I mean, it just depends on what tools you have. So like when I was 26, I I mean, all I did was take vacation. (laughs) Um, I was like, you're stressed out. So like it was programmed to me, obviously take a vacation. Mm -hmm. So I did, I took three. And then I was like, you know what, Amy, you've been going to the bars, you've been eating chicken wings and like some French fries and God knows whatever else and drinking. Why don't you take a break from that? Because that's not healthy. Like that's obvious. And then maybe why don't you start working out? So those were my tools at that time. So I I would say, what do you know works for you to give you a good Mm -hmm. reset? But like when I was going through this later on in life, the dark night of the soul, I was taking extra baths. I was doing tapping. I was talking to friends and said the, who are spiritual and saying mm-hmm. like I don't understand, and they would keep saying to me, "Just you have to trust. Like there's something there. You're going to get through this. The universe doesn't let you down." So I also would stack the evidence. Sounds but, like a science teacher. Stack the evidence. <laughs> Got it. I don't even realize how how sciency I sometimes sound. But even just like driving to the chiropractor yesterday, I was just thinking of all the synchronicities in my life, just because I can good and bad. Like I just know that I'm being guided. So for instance, I'm getting this branding done and somebody just stepped into ha- to play and like help me out. Uh-huh. And the stuff that came through was absolutely amazing with no help at all, or like no me telling them no direction. And my other person telling them no direction, just downloaded what I wanted. And when I saw it. I started to cry. I'm like, Oh my God. People get information all the time and I'm being so supported. And so I could say, F you universe, you didn't mm-hmm. give me that second child that I know that I wanted. And I know that I was supposed to have somehow,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or I could just say, I don't know enough and I don't know why. And I learned these lessons from it. I got ver- a lot healthier. I fixed my hormones. I didn't get breast cancer or something like that because my hormones were really whacked out. Mm. I didn't end my life accidentally because of it, you know, and then leave Aiden here without a mom, you know, there's all these things that I could look at and say, okay, I could see that maybe I don't know enough and I have to trust because I, I couldn't do what I do on a daily basis without the help of the other side, Mm -hmm. without the help of energy. You can't hold both things at the same time. Like fuck you. And thank you. I mean, you, maybe you could, but like, it just doesn't (laughs) seem compatible. And so I I chose love, I chose support. And that's what usually has to happen. We have to just have that shift in mindset to like, would I rather be unhappy for the rest of my life and, and look at what I don't have? Or would I like to look at what I have and
0: be happy? You've chosen that. And I'm sure that you've been around people who don't choose that. How do you deal with, I, I call them toxically negative people. I mean, they're just I can't fathom living like the way these people do, how everything is just the glass half full kind of or half empty kind of thing. How do you deal with them or do you deal with people that? So basically, there are people who need to hear what you have to say, but how do you reach or what, how do you deal with the people that aren't in a position to listen or to heed all the important information that you have?
1: I like to take people where they're at and with no judgment because we... All have different experiences and programming and trauma and nutritional deficiencies (laughs) and food allergies. I look at it like I feel for them Mm -hmm. and I send them love. This was something I learned from the very beginning of learning about energy and healing and stuff. Cause I lived in New York City, which is also hellish if you're (laughs) super sensitive. Yeah. So I would, let's say, I would see a homeless person on the subway. Yeah, And my heart would just break for them. Like mm-hmm. I could just feel the sadness, the despair, the X, Y, and Z. And I would think to myself, well, what can I do? And i honestly, in that moment, there wasn't a lot I could do. I'm female, I was young, didn't have a lot of money, a lot of debt. So I could send love. So there's also this knowingness that they don't have to receive it. And some people can't receive it. Hmm. but I can send it. And then it's up to their higher self, whether they take that or not. And so for me, I felt better in the moment because I did something, I did something valuable to considering what I know. And it's not my job to help everyone. If I stayed looking at all the people who don't want my help, <laughs> I wouldn't show up every day. Got it. Yep. So okay. I have to focus on the people that do want to learn and evolve and transform and up level and be healthier and happier.
0: Okay. That, no, that makes sense. Yeah. It, so yeah. I just kind
1: of give those people grace and love and I'm grateful that I'm not like that. I'm grateful yeah. that I I know better if, if that's even a way that you can even say it.
0: What, what do you do if someone like that is is either by necessity or by biological genetics or relationship wise, if that person is in your life, like, how do you deal with that? Like, it's not like you can completely separate and you can, I mean, I don't know right. how much tongue biting you have to do to, to can you continually send love, but when you it, are forced to be a, around them.
1: Yeah. It's been an evolution for me. It was really, really hard at first. Yeah, it was really hard because I wanted to be like, but it could be so much better. Uh, yeah, yeah. Here you go. Like, this is what worked for me. And da, da, da. like, so it really has been an evolution of focus on who wants to hear what you have to say. Yeah.
0: Well, like you said, too, I like the, the positive spin you put on dealing with negative people. It's this that you focus on the people that that are in a place to receive it and be better for it, as opposed to focusing on the people that you can't help. Because what's that starfish story where the kids throwing starfish? there's a, I'm going to really screw this up, but there's, there's a bunch of starfish washed on the beach. And I don't think this is the true story, but there's a bunch of starfish washed up on the beach. And so this little boy's going and he's taking one starfish at a time and throwing them back into the sea. And this person comes up and says, what are you going to do? You're never going to be able to save all these starfish. He goes, yeah, but this one I can save. And this one I can save. Meaning we need to focus on the ones that do accept our help to be thrown back into the ocean so they can flourish as opposed to the ones that are gonna stay there and just kind of languish on the sun and the beach. But that's a that's a good again, it's a it's a positive spin on a positive person dealing with negative people in their life. Anyway, yeah.
1: And that. there's one more piece I just want to add to that, yeah. which is one thing that I also learned right away, which was I don't want to be judged for the decisions I make, for the people mm-hmm. I love, for the the things that interest me. As long as it's not hurting anybody, I don't want to be judged for that. So I don't judge other people. So I or at least i try very hard not to get in that space and i just say okay you do you and yep. i'll do me and yep. then <laughs> don't let's not judge each other <laughs> yeah let's just do the best we can with what yeah, we yeah. have
0: get, get through this having. thing so here's a question for you i have it back going back to human design I'm all over the place but sure you'll keep up in human design is it ever in someone's blueprint that they should end their own life or is that kind of taking the greater powers authority away. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. I don't think it would be in human design.
1: However, I have heard that it can be in some sort of blueprint. I'm not sure which one it is that, that somebody might end their life or be taken out at an early age. What I do know about when people take their own life it, and it's very tragic, obviously mm-hmm. it's not a comfortable process afterward. There's a three day period.
0: For their soul, of, you mean their
1: for their soul, yeah. Of like what went wrong. <laughs> so there's a there's a reckoning that happens. It is. Frowned upon, if you will, from the other side, it like to a degree, but at the same time, no judgment. I so it's like hard to explain, yeah, yeah, like yeah. there's just like, okay, this happened, but we need to talk about it, <laughs>
0: kind of okay, thing. yeah. So that, the debrief, yeah,
1: yeah, and and so it's interesting that that's the way it
0: is, yeah. I just again, I think people just get what, what do you call it a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. I think this people get so deep in that and so isolated that they just, they don't see any other way out. So it's mm-hmm. just, it's, I, I feel for those people too. And you're just like, God, just one more phone call you made to the right person. So it's mm-hmm. just, I bet I was just kind of curious if that's how that blueprints out. So,
1: yeah, well, I think that we're moving to, in a direction where people are going to feel more comfortable to talk about mental health issues, sure things they're struggling with. I got really close to that mm-hmm. point. Yeah where I almost checked out and I'm glad that I didn't obviously too. (sighs) Thank you. I do think we're moving in the right direction where it's becoming more, you do you and like, I love you and no judgment that, that kind of energy I think is, is where we're headed.
0: Well, it's another thing too. People talk about because so in the military for the longest time, if you sought behavioral health or mental health, uh, just even just counseling, that got recorded on your security clearance, and it was oh. a negative thing. Like it affected your ability to get a secret or a top secret what clearance. If exactly, and but you talk about we're just we're starting to switch that mindset. So I, I'd say maybe 2014, 2015 is kind of when I saw the the sea change in the military where people, and that's pretty late. I mean that's pretty late in the game, but. You know, if you break your arm, you don't like YouTube it and figure out how to reset it and how to deal with it on your own. You don't go in stealth mode to the, to the ER. Like you go see a professional who's trained to deal with broken bones. Same thing with a tooth problem or any kind of problem. And like I think the brain is the most valuable muscle we have. Mm. So why wouldn't you go to a professional to get that kind of help? And I think people are starting to see it that way, as opposed to like, I'm just I'm just messed up and I'll just deal with it. There's so many tools out there. And again, you, when I was preparing for the podcast I did with you a couple months ago, like I was watching all your videos on tapping and EFT. I've, I've listened to Nick Ortner's book and his sister's book. I mean, all those things that it opens up a world of things. And I've actually shared those books and those tips with other friends of mine who, Well, Maybe they'll take it again. Same thing you said. I I offer this to you as another option, something you haven't tried. What they do with it is up to them, except for brute forcing it down them. We don't realize how many tools are available and we're not treating the the brain and mental health the way it should be. You look at Michael Phelps starting to get help too and talking about depression and all the Olympic athletes. And I mean, they're people just like us. So I'm glad that the discussions are are opening up about mental health. So.
1: Yeah. What blew my mind was when I realized that the people who do those jobs for instance like in the military or police or firefighter or i don't know anything else that's sort of the er doctor mm-hmm. where they're they're kind of like these adrenaline junkies almost yeah upon thinking about it, i'm like oh my god those people have trauma and so they and then they had coping mechanisms and then they go into these fields where they get re-traumatized. Yep. And so not only should you be seeking help because your, your field, like not you personally, but what I'm saying is like people in general who are doing these high risk, high reward kind of jobs, saving people's lives or defending people, uh, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They are already traumatized people yep. and then they just get re-traumatized. So it's just yep. that much worse. Yeah. So they absolutely
0: need help. It's almost like you need preemptive help, like preventative right. medicine. We yeah, wouldn't because otherwise- have people doing
1: the things that we need <laughs> them to do then, though. I yeah. don't know that we would have police officers that would walk in and be like, I'm going to risk my life right here. I don't know that that would happen. I don't know that we would have people running into burning buildings if they didn't already not feel like they were maybe enough or that yeah. they, no. they thought, well, I this is something I can do. I don't. I don't know what their thinking is, but I've noticed a pattern of childhood trauma and then these yeah. types of- uh, Well,
0: it's almost like that childhood trauma is a callus, and then it just keeps getting over calloused and it just becomes this hardened thing and you can never get to the the root trauma.
1: Yeah, and if you, if you have a tool like EFT, you could. Yep, yep. Or if you got to speak with a professional about it. This is another thing that, you actually haven't heard this podcast yet. Dr. Amy Apigian was talking about the biology of trauma. And she hmm. was talking about a lot of this stuff that we're talking about here, which is- when, when we are very, very little and experience trauma, we have a different chemistry in our body. Ooh. And then we start to see the world differently. And we already know this, but like, she's really talking about the chemistry of it. Hey. And, and she was talking about the, feel <laughs> like this. She said that there's these glial cells. I think that's what she called them. They either, when they're you're first born, they could either be like a grandma and they prune things and they're like making cookies
0: and they're sweet. <laughs> they read to you and they're like, oh, lovey. Or
1: if they experience trauma, they turn into snipers.
0: And- wow. So those are the two options, grandma and sniper? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the point of um, tra- or
1: what can happen when you're traumatized. Yeah. And, and that was the other thing that she mentioned, which I, I think I'll share right here too. It, and I, if, I don't know when this is going to come out versus okay. when hers is coming out. So maybe we'll, you'll, it'll be out already or not. But she talked about trauma being about an experience versus an event. Because a lot of people can experience an event and depending on who they are and what they've already experienced, it may not be traumatizing because they already right. understand how to get through it, or they already have the resilience, or they've gotten enough sleep and their blood sugar isn't low, blah, blah, blah. So trauma is anytime your your body is overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times when I am working, not a lot of times, but sometimes when I'm working with people, they're like, I don't have trauma. And you're like, no, 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 you do. <laughs> First of all, I'm seeing it. Second of all, I just know the human experience is traumatic. That's when you can really start to look at things and, and just notice a pattern and a pattern of overwhelm. Hmm. And that creates trauma. And then obviously there's, there's many different programs that will come from that.
0: Huh. I like that. I like looking at it as an experience versus an event though. That's a really powerful, like a shift in just perspective, but wow. See, talk yeah. to you all day. Well, here, here, here's
1: a a perfect example. Every day we all ate as a family, super wonderful growing up. Also at the same time, (laughs) a big, large plate of something was put in the center and we had to figure out how hungry we were before everything was finished, which when you have eight people all going at the same dish, (laughs) every man for himself. So that's not necessarily an event. But over time it was overwhelming and it became my experience where when food is out, I, I used to, I'm a lot better now. I used to panic yeah, and be like, is there going to be enough for me? And then a lot of people would be like, well, you had food and we all sat together and you felt safe when you were sitting there. And it's like, yeah, mostly.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But every single day for 18 years, I experienced this, this event or this, this experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. It became traumatic. Yeah, for sure. And then well, and then that's part of your programming too going forward. So it's right. like, how do you not pass that on to your your son? And well, and he like it that. did
1: get passed on to him, and that's why ah! I, I had to work on it. <laughs> he would eat things so fast. And then he would also like hoard shit. And I'm like, What? You're an only child. Like, what are you doing? you can eat whatever you want. I would give you the the shirt off my back, the food that I have, like yeah. I would go hungry for days and days and days as long as I could possibly go if I had to. So I that's when I was like, he's got programming.
0: Or he's lived through the depression. That's what we used to say about my dad. Well, like, oh, he's hoarding food and cutting coupons because he lived through the depression. I'm like, okay, that doesn't that, explain anything about me.
1: <laughs> we say that actually of Fen's mom. She went through the depression, the Great Depression, and she saves food and things like that. So Fen, I will find Fen eating things that are, have expired or whatever. And I'm like, Fen, just let it go. You're having already stomach issues. Like you don't need to put this expired yogurt by three months down your gullet and then have
0: indigestion from it. Like, but, but, but there's something okay. about, but it's something about throwing that three month old fungus scraped uh, yogurt, it thrown it away. All I see is like dollar signs go that's, and I'm, Uh, That's my programming too, and I'm completely guilty of that for my parents too. So I get it. Tell Finn I get it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yes, I know. We we go through like I have this abundance mindset, and she has this scarcity mindset sometimes, and so we we butt heads on it. And we joke. Honestly, I'm like, oh, there's a great depression coming out again. Like, and and we worked on it, and we continue to work on it. And for whatever reason, I guess because I'm too close to the situation, it gets harder and harder.
0: (laughs) So she's the grandma. You're the sniper. That's basically what I know.
1: Basically, I. Well, I was like raised <laughs> by wolves. So like I did become like a sniper and then I had to do a lot of rewiring of my brain and body.
0: <laughs> oh God. I love it. All right. I have one more question. I don't know if you have tattoos. Do you have tattoos? I do. I do have one. Okay. So maybe you can answer this by, by telling me what you have. But so if you had to get one quote or saying <laughs> tattooed on your body, what would it be and where? Okay. Well, I would just tell you the one that I have. Oh, there you uh,
1: go. So it's Omna Shivaya which means I honor and respect the divinity that resides within me. Ooh, is that Hebrew? It's uh, Sanskrit. What's funny is I was at where was I? I was in St. Thomas and I was at a bar and I like, it was one of those like beach bars and you could see the tattoo. And this guy comes up to me. And he's like, I love your tattoo. And I was like, creepy. And he's like, no, I know what it means. And I was like, I was like, well, what does it mean? Cause I was like, maybe it doesn't mean what I think it Kung means. Kung Pao you know? chicken.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> Pretty rare. Everyone. Um, <laughs> so he goes, I honor, respect the divinity that resides within me. And, and then he also was like, also you are a teacher of the universe. Dude. So here's where I got the tattoo or why I got the tattoo. When I first started meditating, like I was, I had been meditating, let's say a year or two or something like that. It was, it was around there. I had started running So I used running sometimes as a running meditation. So I was doing double meditation. So I was doing probably like four hours or three hours or something of meditation. And I came across a study where they were studying Buddhist monks Mm -hmm. and when they meditated, a blue pearl started to form in their brain. And so the, I got the OM symbol with the blue pearl. Oh, cool. To remind me that I can meditate like a monk.
0: <laughs> and, That's um, awesome. Yeah.
1: Where's the have- tattoo on your ankle or your leg? or where? Oh, yeah. It's on my lower back, which I oh, put good. there because I broke my back. And then I found out about the whole tramp stamp thing. But uh, <laughs> I broke my lower back. So it was like, I wanted to honor the fact that I broke my back and I got through it. hmm and, and then also through this transformative period in my life where I was meditating, I was running, I was transforming my body. I was transforming my mindsets and things about the universe. And I had read Eat, Pray, Love. Mm-hmm. And in the middle section where she prays, there's, there was a section that said, Om Shivaya." Oh. So I honor and respect the divinity that rises, resides within me. And I was like, that's me. And so oh, here I, I am, 27, 28 years old, and I get this tattoo And it, and it says that I'm a teacher of the universe and what is in my, my human design. I'm a teacher of the universe. Love it. Like what the fuck? (laughs) Meant to be. I love it. I know. So this is why I always say, follow your heart. Your heart
0: knows the path. Yep. When I think too many people are just blocking out and just just not paying attention and not listening or they feel it. And then they don't, because it's not logical to them. They just don't follow it. So if you're feeling it, follow it, people. That's what we're saying.
1: Yeah. 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 (laughs) Definitely a hundred percent. And so much of life for me has been those leaps. And when you take that leap and it does not make sense. And then you land in the hands of grace or on your feet, whatever, however you want to look at it. Mm -hmm you get that as like a feather in your cap where you yep. took that leap and it worked out and then you can use that for fuel later yep. when yep. you take that next step that actually reminds me i was listening to on dave asprey's podcast he had a navy seal on and he was oh. like you have to practice resilience in this way and i didn't exactly agree with it because he was like when you're happy you need to dumb it down and when you're sad you need to amp it up and like <laughs> i was like we don't have that many happy moments in life like the- average person. They're, they're struggling a lot. Like let's, yeah. let's really celebrate those moments. Anyway, what he was saying is just this idea of resilience and and shifting your mindset. And I definitely agree with that. And then I think there's yeah. other ways you can do it, which yeah. is like putting a rock in your pocket and thinking of what things you're grateful for that will help you to train your brain. And, but basically what he was saying is to what I was saying about that feather in your cap, like once you get through something like a dark night of the soul Or you learn to take that leap. Those are all ways in which you can stack the evidence later to see that you can make, you can do hard things, you can make it through it, you can create the life that you want.
0: Yeah. Those confident boosters, confidence in yourself, those boosters of that. Yeah. Well, and again, like I I think it was Sahar Jade, you guys talked about, it's about stepping up to the fear and being ready to do the work. So, like, just, trusting and and going boldly and again that just it helps you leap further next time or help maybe helps you leap sooner next time and you're just getting all those those confidence in yourself and your decisions and trust in your gut yeah Um, i love that
1: rudy giuliani i think he spoke at my graduation from syracuse university in 2002 and he said courage isn't the absence of fear it's in
0: facing it pants with pockets yeah Pants with, no pockets with pants. <laughs> Coming soon to a near granimal store near you. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Thank awesome. you so much for interviewing me. That was so much fun. This has been the Mo Barrett takeover of the Stark Transformation Show. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> Have it all awesome day. You too.